Hello everyone, Brian Newbert here from goldenblack.com, live in my car, uh, joined as always by my windshield wiper and my turn signal, uh, leaving Mackey Arena following Purdue's 80-53, to I think the score was win over Eastern Kentucky, closing out the non-conference portion of the regular season, Purdue goes unbeaten again for the third straight year, uh, this is your goldenblack.com drive home podcast, it is brought to you by our friends at the East End Grill and Ripple and Company. Purdue Federal Credit Union, AcrePro.com, TNW Design and Build, and the Whitaker Inn, which, as always, I'll be driving by here uh, within about 10 to 15 minutes, uh, hoping that all of the wildlife from their property stays right where it is. Um, so Purdue wins 80 to 53 to close out the non-conference portion of the regular season once again. This time against Eastern Kentucky, this was, you know, a formality. Uh, obviously. You know, Purdue had won 34 straight non-conference regular season games. Uh, it has not so much has been threatened for years in games like this. Uh, this was a game I figured Purdue might score 110 points in. Uh, doesn't matter how many points they scored, uh, but they turned the ball over a little too much to get to that level of productivity. Uh, settle for an 80 to 53 win, as I've mentioned at least 11 times now. And uh, I think that the game takes a backseat to the bigger, broader stories from this. One of them being that, and I will talk about the game a little bit more here than I did in our post-game coverage on our site. Um, but, you know, Purdue goes unbeaten three straight non-conference seasons. Uh, a really remarkable feat. According to Purdue's research, only two other programs had done this in the last 50 years, and those are Duke, I think, in the 90s and Syracuse right at the turn of the century. Uh, pretty good company. And when you look at what Purdue's done in terms of scheduling and the, the stature of the events they've played in in these November and December seasons, it's really a remarkable run Purdue's on. As I say over and over again, yes, Purdue still needs some level of validation in the court of public opinion in the NCAA tournament. But those two topics don't always have to be tied together. Uh, you can enjoy the fact, if you're a Purdue partisan, that Purdue has once again run the table in, pre, in non-conference play prior to the postseason. Um, people can't just enjoy the moment, though, so everything's about the NCAA tournament. Uh, understandably, but still, I'm just saying these two things can be taken separately. And uh, what Purdue's done, done during these non-conference seasons has been pretty remarkable. Something befitting of an elite program. I understand that if I ever tweeted that, I'd have 20 reply guys jumping out of their chairs to type something. But um, really, it's, it is something that is just a very, very significant achievement for this program. For this particular team, which I think is, is better than the last two, uh, at Purdue, I think that this is anything but a destination for Purdue. I don't think, you know, Purdue aspires to, you know, run the table in regular season non-conference play again, and that's it. You know, there's still a Big Ten championship out there to be won. Um, obviously, the NCAA tournament looms large, and I think this is the most, this is going to be the most March-ready uh, Purdue team of any of these three and I don't think it's even close and I say that knowing that there's still three months of basketball left to play uh, plenty that can can happen between then and now to change how Purdue looks to change you know I'm trying to come up with nice ways to say injuries without you know scaring you um, but 
things do happen and there's plenty of time for things to happen but if things don't happen or even if they do happen I think this is the most this is going to be the most March ready Purdue team you've seen in years years um but uh, you know, the other part of it too is you start Big Ten play, or you resume Big Ten play here again here in a couple days at Maryland, uh, and then you come home to play Illinois. I think uh, obviously he's going through some stuff there now. Uh, the Big Ten's right there to be taken uh, once again, and uh, I think it's a below Purdue. It's you know I think Illinois was the clear second best team in the league there for a week, and then the Terrence Shannon stuff, as unfortunate as this happened completely changed the complexion not only of Illinois but of the Big Ten race assuming that he is not going to be on the floor anytime soon which I think is probably a safe assumption I'm not really covering the story uh, and I'm glad I'm not because uh, it, it's pretty terrible stuff um, at least generally speaking uh, but Purdue's obviously going to be the heavy favorite here in the Big Ten once again, and that's what comes first. Everybody talking about the NCAA tournament is getting ahead of themselves, uh, but that's, I guess, that's sort of the nature of things. But uh, just to kind of talk a little bit about this game, you know, obviously uh, Purdue was a heavy, heavy favorite. Again, Purdue just grinds through these games and just doesn't even break a sweat winning them more often than not. But, uh, you know, Purdue turned the ball over a little too much early. Um, but then really got things going after that. Um, I think that this was clearly one of those games where a team could have, you know, hit cruise control, hit the snooze bar, whatever analogy you want to use, and Purdue really didn't. Uh, It's just a little sloppy early. Uh, I, I guess you can construe those two things as the same. But I thought that the one guy who really stood out, and a few guys did, but the one guy who really stood out was Mason Gillis. You know, you have a fifth-year senior here who's been through a ton of these games, who understands how these games always unfold, pretty much almost always unfold. Uh, A guy who's, you know, a a very proud individual and, you know, someone who's who's been a longtime starter for Purdue has always wanted as much as he can get for himself. Uh, and he's coming off the bench now and not playing as many minutes as his body of work at Purdue suggests he's he's deserving of. And he really comes out and he busts his you-know-what playing in this game. And I, I think he set a tone for this whole game in terms of Purdue pulling away. I think when he came, che- checked into the game, it came right after Eastern Kentucky had gotten a couple of wandering offensive rebounds uh, snuck in front of Purdue for a couple offensive rebounds and he just shut that off. He just came in and he he rebounded like his life depended on it. It's kind of what he always does but I think it was particularly significant in this game. Uh, A guy like that you know, doesn't necessarily have to play that hard and play with that kind of energy on a night like this but it's just what Mason Gillis is and I think he deserves a ton of credit for it and I think he, he doesn't get enough credit for it why I will go out of my way oftentimes to give him credit for it because he deserves it. Just because he's not a starter does not mean he's not a critically important player for this team. And that will be the case all season long. Um, You know, he plays 17 minutes, I think, and falls one rebound, should have a double-double. 
Uh, he came in, he, he made shots, he, he scored in a variety of ways, just being opportunistic and playing hard enough to you know find productivity, and he rebounded like crazy, and uh, just a great game for him, uh, and a game where, you know, the inevitability of Zach Eady just sort of comes through, because he was quiet, you know, by his standards in the first half. Purdue didn't need him, necessarily. It's a nice luxury to have to have something like that you can just leave in the garage for half a game um but in the second half Purdue really opened things up a little bit started getting the ball inside and Braden Smith after a a little bit of an up and down first half you know comes out and just puts on a show and gets ED going and and uh that kind of the thing about Purdue is they can kind of they can kind of sneak up on you a little bit they can you know play possum for for 20 minutes, and I better not have just jinxed my uh, chances of no possums being in the road here while I'm driving home by saying playing possum. But uh, Purdue can kind of, you know, seemingly be in cruise control for a half. And I don't think Purdue was from an effort perspective, but in terms of leveraging its assets, getting Zach Eady involved, Braden Smith, playmaking, things like that, I think that, uh, you know, Purdue can kind of ease into that at times and just kind of let other guys carry it for a half and then at some point in time you know the big man's going to make his presence known and you know uh, Braden Smith's going to go back to doing Braden Smith things and that's exactly what happened in the second half both of those guys really really kind of did their thing in the second half Purdue had the game in hand but Purdue had the game by the throat uh, once they started getting going uh i think you know lance jones uh we talk about this all the time what he's meant to this team in terms of completing its mix purdue having more speed more burst more acceleration more more straight line drive capability uh in half court offense but also in transition and uh attacking second levels when beating presses and backcourt pressure and things like that just completely transformative for this purdue team it is really the reason that Purdue has it all this year from an offensive perspective, in my opinion. I'm sure there there are are nits that can be picked in terms of, well, you'd like this, you'd like this, you'd like this guy to be better at this, so so on and so forth. But, you know, Lance Jones goes four or five from the floor. He's been a really high-volume three-point shooter this season, probably more than anyone could have anticipated. Maybe more than is ideal. Um... But he did a great job getting the rim in this game. And I think one thing that's going to be really important moving forward for Purdue through this Big Ten season is his decision-making in terms of him making sure he's taking the right threes, but also taking his opportunities to beat people off the dribble, picking his spots wisely uh, when attacking in transition. Uh, he is an absolute weapon for Purdue in transition, but also on throw-aheads, kind of beating people to the rim. And uh, he was really good in this game at that, and uh, I don't anticipate that changing anytime soon. Big Ten basketball is a little bit different than some of these run-and-gun by games or, you know, games against faster-paced teams like Arizona, Alabama, things like that. But I think that uh, his transition capability lets Purdue have a lot of a lot of identities offensively and that's part of the reason they're so good is they can play a lot of different ways they can beat you a lot of different ways and Lance Jones is really um 
as important as Zach Eady is, as important as Braden Smith is, as important as Fletcher Lawyer is, Lance Jones is really the guy who completed this mix uh, because he is something Purdue did not have last year. He is something Purdue has not had very often ever in my frame of reference with Purdue and uh, just a really important guy. Um, Fletcher Lawyer, really good again. Uh, I think part of that was Braden Smith nicked his finger early on and Lawyer may have ended up with the ball in his hands a little bit more. Lance Jones, too. I'm, I'm not really sure, but uh, you know, Fletcher Lawyer is playing really well. Uh, he's really involved, and I think that's really important. If you uh, are on our site, go read my story uh, from yesterday about Fletcher Lawyer's involvement and his ability to hit those runners and what they mean to produce offense. Uh, I think it gives you a little more insight than I can give you here while I'm driving my car in the rain. Um, I think Purdue's just headed to the Big Ten play. they got a lot going for them. And as I keep saying over and over again, and I, I don't say things I don't mean very often, and I don't say them over and over and over again if I don't mean them, I think Purdue's best basketball is still out there to be to be reached. Uh, that doesn't mean they're going to roll through the Big Ten and never lose or never be challenged the way they did you know, with a lot of these non-conference games. Uh, but I, I think Purdue is still getting better. Uh, the process is still underway or ongoing, I should say. And I think I think that's really, really something that bodes well for its, its potential outcomes here through the course of the rest of this season. So that's what I got. I'm driving back into my neighborhood now, and I don't want to drive up on somebody's lawn. Um, so from my car... Once again, this has been Brian Newbert with your GoldenBlack.com. Drive home following Purdue's 80-53 win over Eastern Kentucky. Thank you to the East End Grill and Ripple and Company, uh, Purdue Federal Credit Union, TNW Design and Build, AcrePro.com, and the Whitaker Inn, which uh, I would have seen out my windshield as I drove by if this annoying half-rain, half-non-rain wasn't clouding up my my uh, my windshield and I'm using my right hand to hold my phone when I really should have been turning up my windshield wipers. Anyway, uh, I, I've lost control of this podcast, so I'll cut it off right there. Thank you, everybody. I'll talk to you again uh, January 2nd uh, from Maryland. So I'll uh, talk to you all next year. Bye.